0: This episode of Saturday Morning Rewind is brought to you by Voice Actors Rock, a charity concert to benefit VH1 Save the Music Foundation, Sunday, July 17th, at the world-famous Whiskey-A-Go-Go in Hollywood. Presented by VoiceChasers.com. Featuring music performances by Jess Harnell and his band Rock Sugar, Tom Kenny, E.G. Daly, Troy Baker, Jim Cummings, Debbie Derryberry, Robbie Rist, Billy West, and hosted by James Arnold Taylor. For tickets and more information, visit voiceactorsrock.org. Use promo code SATURDAY20 for $20 off. That's SATURDAY20. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. For the safety of you and others, please make sure all hands, feet, and arms remain inside, and please watch your children. And now, let the show begin. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind, a show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So, let's go back in time to when Cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens,
1: give me sight
0: beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, show! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host... Tim Nidell
1: Thank you guys for tuning in to Saturday Morning Rewind with your host Tim Nidell, which is me, of course. I don't know what to say about this episode. I am just super excited for you guys to hear this. It's an amazing interview. I had a heck of a time doing this, and of course the one, the only, Batman himself is on the show, Kevin Conroy.
0: You're not well, Mr. Wayne. You need professional help. Liar! You know what's going on. This is a dream, and you're the one responsible. A dream? Why do you think that? I suspected it from the start. I knew I was right when I tried to read the newspaper. The print didn't make sense.
1: He has actually been Batman more than anybody else on television and film so it was just an honor and a privilege to sit and talk with them amazing amazing guy i mean batman come on this is batman we're talking about so i hope you guys really do enjoy it make sure to follow us on facebook and twitter every single link can be found on our website saturdaymorningrewind.com and remember those positive itunes reviews we also have a patreon and a donation page so if you like what you hear just go to the website saturdaymorningrewind.com and you know Donate a dollar or two, and or you can just help out by, by promoting the, the podcast. Tell somebody about it. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. You let your friends know about it. That is just as good as money, honestly, getting new listeners. So thank you so much for tuning in. I don't want to hold you guys up any longer. Here is my interview with Kevin Conroy. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This is a huge honor. I've been a huge fan of your work for a long, long, long time.
0: Thank you. I really
1: appreciate that. Now, you know I
0: can't say anything about
1: I know <laughs> upcoming projects. I know I, that's what I was told, so I don't have any questions about that. So Very good. So maybe we'll just get you on later on when it's when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, sure. Because I
1: know you're going to want to talk about it. Oh. It's, un- it's unbelievable. I know. I cannot wait. All right. So before you put on the cape and Cal, you were part of the Juilliard's drama division. Yeah, I, I'm. Guessing-
0: I uh, I I came at animation sort of circuitously I mean everyone comes at different aspects of the business different ways I love that John Lennon line life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans yes you know no matter how you plan on on your life turning out usually other roads appear um, but interestingly everything seemed to lead me to this because I, I moved out of my house when I was 17. I moved into New York to go to Juilliard. Um and have been on my own pretty much since then. My my family kind of uh, disintegrated when I was a teenager, so I was I became I, I became involved in the business very young on my own. And I was a Juilliard, and um, I was training to be a classical actor. And um, I didn't understand that the classical theater was basically dying out. Being yeah. able to make a living in that world just doesn't exist anymore. So I was almost training for an industry that didn't exist yeah, as yeah. a as a stage actor, as a uh classics, Shakespeare the Greeks. Um um but having that foundation gives you such mooring for any kind of acting you're gonna go on to in, in the future. Um it 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 gives you such a a tool for you to use uh, regardless of where you're gonna end up. And um, I soon realized that I, I got theater. I got uh, the national tour of uh, Death Trap, the Broadway show, oh, yeah. which I yeah. did with uh, Brian Bedford, which uh, I learned so much from Brian. He's just an incredible actor. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, and I did a number of shows uh, in New York and on the road. And I was in L.A. doing a, um, a pilot for a series I was still based out of New York at the time. And my agent said, Look, go over to Warner Brothers. At this point, I was, this is like 1992. They're doing a new animated series. Uh, I had been doing voiceovers, uh, commercial voiceovers. And I said, Well, Batman. I said, Isn't that already been done? Isn't that, that's an old show. He said, But it's never been done as an animated show. And um, they're doing a new one. And uh, so I just went in and I winged it. I'd never done an animated character. I'd never done, any kind of animation work before. And I went in, I met Andrea, my first audition for an animated show, I meet Andrea Romano, Bruce Timm, Paul Dini, Alan Burnett. This is like the royalty of animation. And (laughs) I didn't know that. Because I was, this is the first day. I didn't know who any of these people were. And I thought, you know, they said, I said, they said, well, what's your exposure to Batman? I said, well, I, am familiar with the Adam West series from the sixties. And, and Bruce Tim goes, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. And he explained to me the whole Dark Knight legend and the Bob Kane history of it. And they kind of had to educate me on the spot. And he said, no, this is a, a, a very film noir about a young man whose parents are murdered in front of him as a child. And he, he's, he, he spends his life avenging their deaths and, and fighting crime and he, he has this dual personality and he's misunderstood by the public. And I said, you're sort of describing, cause I went to my classical background. I said, you're kind of describing the Hamlet story. Is that yeah. is it that epic? And he said, that's, he said no one else has made that an analogy, <laughs> but that's exactly what it is actually. So it was interesting. My classical background kind of came yeah. in because Batman is an archetype hero. You know, you've seen him through Shakespeare. You've seen him through the Greeks. Um, It's, it's an archetype and that's why it resonates with audiences so much. So I approached him that way. I approached him as a passionate, not cartoony, struggling man to resolve these pain, painful uh, memories of his childhood that haunt him for his life. And, um, and I, you know, just came up with this sound that came, that seemed to typify that. And I could see that I'd hit a note with with Bruce and Andrea was that essentially offered it to me on the spot.
1: Was that your first attempt at the voice? Or did you have other alternate versions of the voice? No, that was it. I just
0: kind of used my, it was just an example of, of someone. I always say 80% of, of getting a job is the choice you make on the day you go in for the audition, because there are usually a dozen actors who can play a role for any role. It's just making the right choice. On that day, and the directors don't usually know what choice to tell you to make because they don't really know what they want until they see it or hear it. So they could tell me the background of of Bruce Wayne, but they couldn't tell me what he was supposed to sound like. So I just came up with that sound and it became the, the one they wanted to go with. But, you know, people come up to me at Comic-Cons all the time and say, oh, listen to me, do you. And they do a very convincing Kevin Conroy. (laughs) And I say, okay, now I'm going to have to kill you. (laughs) um, But once someone establishes the sound, it's easy to imitate them. Like there are a million, you know, dozens of people can imitate Mark Hamill. But Mark Hamill had to come up with that sound for Joker. You know what I mean? It's having the idea. And it's the same with live action acting. When you go in for acting auditions – There are you, you you know, when you, when it gets down to the final casting for any job, whether it's a movie or TV or anything, there's usually four or five actors in a room and they're often the same four or five actors. You see the same guys every time that you go up against. And it's a question of who's going to make the right choice in that room because any one of you could really play that role well. It's just a question of who makes the
1: right choice. Was there anybody in the room when you first auditioned to be Batman that we may know? That's right.
0: You know, I don't know who else was up for it. Andrea told me they saw in total, cause they'd been looking for months over 500 people. Wow. So they were looking at everyone, I think in LA that they could think of who had a baritone voice. I mean, they were really, <laughs> they were just looking for everybody. Um, and then once the show got established, it, it, it became such a, uh, word got out that the quality of the writing and the artwork and the uh, Shirley Walker score and everything about it was so um, a level. It's just upped everyone's game, so that suddenly everyone in LA wanted to be on this show. So our booking sessions were incredible. The actors oh, that would man. come in, it would be like, you know, people like grown up watching on TV and stuff.
1: <laughs> Speaking uh, of, you had, had Adam West on an episode, which is an amazing episode yeah. too.
0: He's such a, I was a little, you know, you get a little nervous when you're treading on someone else's territory. You think, oh, how's he (laughs) going to deal with this? You know, he is the most, he's, he's a, he's a very elegant actor. He's a very distinguished man. He's very well read. Um, he's very articulate. He's a really good actor and he, uh, couldn't have been more gracious. And he said, oh, God, have fun with it. I had fun with it. You know, Run with it and have a ball. And I run into him at uh, Comic-Cons because uh, he's very popular with the audience. And he always draws a big crowd at Comic-Cons. Um,
1: and he couldn't be nicer. He's really a, a wonderful guy. Oh, that's nice to hear. Did he give you any pointers maybe at all about being Batman? No,
0: because I don't know. It was so long ago for him. Yeah i think he kind of enjoys the fact that the audience has nostalgia for it but you know that was 50 years ago that was that wow. was you know he's a pretty <laughs> distance from
1: that i bet yeah i was i think i was 12 when the animated series came out and i was looking for someone just like this to come out and i'm so happy that the animated series was released and was a little darker you know i, I appreciated that it was actually leaning towards Adults and children at the same time. originally well, when it went on it was a primetime show. Yeah, yeah, Fox, I remember which that. A lot of people don't realize. Yeah. So it
0: was definitely skewing adults. But it didn't have what I loved about it is it didn't have gratuitous violence. Yeah. It didn't have anything overly graphic. Um, Batman doesn't kill anybody. Every everyone gets arrested and goes to Arkham. People don't die in these shows. And I loved that about the show. It's graphic, it's dramatic, it's it's passionate uh but it's not gratuitously violent and i love that about the shows yeah. but yeah when it first went on it was prime time and uh they're very complicated stories uh that that's what was fun about playing the character because bruce wayne batman is a he's a modern character he's 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 a he's an anti, he's almost an anti-hero because he's got this tragic flaw that runs through him um this unresolved tension in him and there's always this struggle to to make his life whole. That was so beautifully written in um, uh, the movie of Batman. Um, I'm blanking on the name now. The first big movie. on Batman.
1: Mask of the Phantasm.
0: Mask of the Phantasm. Um, that uh, Dana Delaney did uh, the female lead voice. um
1: I think that's one of the best Batman movies, right? Uh, Yes, even better than live action ones. Yeah,
0: absolutely, because you get the whole history of the character and his whole dilemma and his struggle with his parents' promise, and it's it's such a dramatic show, and the artwork is so beautiful.
1: Oh yeah, without a doubt. Now, one of my favorite episodes, I think it may be my favorite episode of all time, is "Perchance to Dream." Mine too. Is it really? (laughs) It's. I don't know what I I rewatched it again last night for like the hundredth time, and it's it's amazing.
0: Well, it's this whole mind trip that, that Bruce Wayne has to go through and then playing all those different characters. Uh, oh, I, I, I had a great time doing that. Yeah,
1: too. I mean, you voiced I, – I read that there was no cuts in between where you did Bruce and Bruce's dad. Yeah. And there's, like, a split second between the, the dialogue, and you just go from one to the other one. I said, I said to Andrea,
0: let's let's have fun. I said, can we do this in real time? Can I just really play the scene? <laughs> she said, okay, I'll let you do it once, but then we're going to do clean takes of each character yeah. so we know we have it. And I did it once, and she said, well, I don't think we need to do the clean takes now. You did that really <laughs> well. <laughs> it, almost it, was not- it was just because actors like to be challenged, yeah. you know? yeah. And it was so much fun to kind of jump back and forth from character.
1: Almost like you are a bipolar listening to yeah, it. Yeah, I know. A little skitsy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very dark episode, too. I mean, Bruce has to kill himself, pretty much, to wake up. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's cool. an amazing episode. Do you have another favorite episode of yours?
0: Uh, Dreamscape is another one I really like. Yeah, on. that's a great one. Yeah. Um, and any, actually, any of the ones with, with the Joker, with Mark. I mean, he's just because I had so much fun working with him and almost it, there's such a, a, a yin and yang with Batman and Joker. It's almost like neither of us would exist without the other. You know what I mean? We yeah. each define the other. Um, and he's such a great guy. He's such a generous actor. We get in the studio together and we just, Andre said it's like watching kids play ball together. We just, we have so much fun together. We trust each other because he knows I want him to be wonderful, and I know he wants me to be wonderful. And we just we give each other so much. It's such a it's such a very uh, generous atmosphere um, that that we both bring out the best in each other. He makes me a better
1: actor, and I love that about him. And I, I knew that Tim Curry was originally the Joker. He was actually cast and actually did an episode or two. And, and Tim Curry was fantastic as the
0: Joker. But it was just different. And when they replaced him after a couple of episodes, I thought, why are they doing this? What's the matter? He's fantastic. But Tim Curry was scary, scary. Yeah. Like, lock up the kids. And then Mark Hamill came in, and he was scary, funny. Like, oh, okay, the kids can can watch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Tim went over this line that made him like – he went over a psychotic line that was a little scary. Yeah. would Which absurd. was fun, but – I think it was a little. It was. Mark found more of the sort of hysterical fun humor in the madness, which is what makes the
1: character so much yeah, fun. Yeah, and of course, but that Tim was, was fabulous. fabulous. Yeah, there's it, a clip on YouTube that I watched. It was just really dark. Yes, yeah, there's a clip on YouTube I watched last night, and it, like you said, it's creepy. Oh, really? Yeah. Did some of that footage get yeah. out? I didn't realize that. Yeah, I don't know where it came from, but it's on there. Huh. So I would love to see – I mean, I love Tim Curry, but Mark Hamill, yeah. you can't replace Mark Hamill at all. He's, he is a joker.
0: Well, then Mark defined it. But the great thing about these characters is – which I think it's just so smart of Warner Brothers to have different people do Batman um, through the years, live action. Because at first I thought it was an odd choice. You, know, you think usually one person establishes the franchise and plays it. Um, but then to see all these different actors, what they bring to the character – it's so interesting to see how different people interpret a character. And it's the same with the, the the Joker. I thought Mark nailed the Joker, and he was the definitive Joker. And to me, he still is, that no one would ever be as good. But then I saw Heath Ledger's Joker. Oh, my goodness. And I thought, wow, he's almost as good as Mark. Or <laughs> he is as good as Mark, but in a different way. In, in you a know, different world, yeah. It was yeah. just... It was just when he came out in that nurse's costume, you know, with everything blowing <laughs> up behind him, smoking the cigar. I thought, oh, whoa, this is crazy, you know. So, so it's so interesting to see how different actors bring, you know, their own take on characters.
1: Yeah, I know he passed, so he couldn't really talk much about his role. But I wonder if he used any of Mark's, you know, charismatic performances to bring out the Joker in Dark Knight. I wonder if he used any of it. You yeah. always wonder if actors look at other actors. Yeah. But, you know. yeah. It's, I'd be I really know. curious to see if he did. I doubt he, he seemed like the kind of guy who would like to get there on his own. Yeah, I a would imagine so. He was such a, God, what a waste that
0: was. I what know. a terrible waste that he died so young. Um, but yeah, on uh, Brokeback Mountain, I mean, his performances were just incredible. Yep, I, I completely Wonderful agree. Guy.
1: Since you studied Juilliard, you know, classical dramatic performances, what would Batman sound like doing Hamlet? <laughs> well, very much like he does. <laughs> I mean, you know,
0: to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take up arms against a sea of multitudes must give us pause. Ah, there's the run.
1: <laughs> ah, that's, that's what I wanted to hear right there. <laughs> so I also read that you were roommates with Robin Williams at Juilliard.
0: Robin was, uh, what a character.
1: I remember I was 17. Yeah. I was very young
0: and Robin was, was quite a bit older. He had already been through college and, uh, He had studied mime and he was an amazing mime. Wow. And he was working, I think a large reason he came to Juilliard was because we had a French, something called French mask class, which is you, these neutral masks that put on your face and you can't speak with them and you can only use your body to tell the story and you can't even use your face because there's a neutral mask on. So through your body, you have to totally become the character and it's a way to get actors To explore their physicality and create characters with their bodies. And then there's something called a half mask that you graduate to. And the half mask is only the top part of the face. So then you can create the voice. Robin was a genius at these, at these, creating these characters. He was a genius. And the teacher was a man named Pierre Lefebvre, who's from Paris, and he was the french mask teacher in the world and he taught at juilliard he was the guy he was the go-to guy and i think a large reason robin went to juilliard was specifically to work with him because robin was kind of head and shoulders of of, older than the rest of us and also above the rest of us he was just so wildly talented and in these mask classes he would just become these incredible he'd be an 80 year old man you know he just that he just was 80 you know and so and we were all very competitive it's a, it's a highly competitive school, so it killed me that this guy was so good at this, and I was so <laughs> awful at it but Robin was um like like many comedians uh a very tortured guy um he was not everything was not um um, lightness and roses with Robin. <laughs> he was, he was, he was, there was a real darkness to him. Yeah. And, and, um, the comedy came out of that. Could you even see that back then? Oh, god, yeah. And living with that, um, was challenging. He's, yeah. he had night, very, he had very dark episodes where, um, he would, um, he, he just, he was a very struggling guy. He was, he was a, I think most comics, that's I, 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 not my world, but I, from what I understand, most comics, that's very common. Yeah, the that's the what comedy he comedy comes out of this darkness. And Robin was very, very complicated. And... Um, we had some very intimate conversations that um I won't share with you. Yeah, but, no. Um, his comedy... Came out of this very complicated world, this complicated dynamic. Um, and he always, I know, struggled to be taken more seriously as a straight actor because he was so brilliant at mime and so brilliant at this comic shtick. But all of that, all of that looked so improvised and it looked so spontaneous, I can tell you. I listened for years, every night, through the night, him working up those characters. Those characters were worked down to the breath. He would rip out a character, but it was not something he just created on that moment. It was something he'd worked on. But he had a whole anthology of characters in his head. It was a whole dictionary of characters. So he would just leaf through and he'd find the right one for that That whatever the instance was that called on, you know what I mean? His mind was just lightning fast. But a lot of preparation went into all that stuff. But when it came to just being himself on stage and just naturalistic and emotional and revealing, that was very hard for him. Uh And he always wanted to be taken more seriously as that kind of actor. And I think that frustrated him.
1: I think I like his serious roles more than his comedic roles. Oh, that's interesting. He yeah. would.
0: God, I wish he'd. Have, you know, I hope he heard that from. Yeah, s- no. From a lot of people, because I know that was a. That was a goal of his. He wanted to be
1: taken more seriously. I mean, you know, awake, awakenings that gets oh, me all the time. Oh god! Isn't that a great performance? <laughs> I love that movie. Oh, it's amazing. So it's another shame, another another one lost, and it, ah! it, that one that one hurt me bad. And I'm sure oh, it a couple you... of years there,
0: I was just like, you know, Chris Reeve, Robin Williams, Heath Ledger, I know. C- Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, it just wouldn't stop. There were a few years. It just you thought, what's going on? This Chris Chris was at Juilliard at the same
1: time. Yeah, Robin. yeah, he was. And you had some interaction with him, didn't you?
0: Well, not really, because he was an upperclassman. He was like two, three years ahead of me. The, the sort of rumor got on the Internet that we lived together for a while. But we we yeah. never did. He was an upperclassman. Yeah. Um, But we were were friendly. Um, But I was never in any shows with him or anything.
1: Let's skip a little forward to to Batman Beyond. What was it like coming back as Bruce, an older Bruce, for Batman Beyond? (laughs) I said to Andrea, said, oh, we're going to do a new Batman show. Uh, We
0: definitely want you. I said, great. She said, well, you're not going to be doing Batman. I said, what? (laughs) What? What happened? She said, you're going to be doing Bruce Wayne, but not Batman. I said, I don't understand. She said, well, he's... Old, you're old now. I said, well, Hollywood, Hollywood is cruel. I'm not <laughs> that old. I didn't, you know, it wasn't that many years later. And um, they were just looking at ways to, you know, they they after a few years they kind of run thin on story ideas. I think no matter how brilliant yeah. the writers are, yep. And um, so they have to come up with new ways to look at the world that they're creating to come up with new story ideas. So the idea that Bruce Wayne would decide to mentor a new young Batman because he's too old to do it himself now. It was really brilliant. And um, it got me to do more of a character voice, which Robin, by the way, would have been proud of me for pulling <laughs> off. I wasn't as good at that when I was 17. <laughs> um, and um, Will Friedell, uh is such a it sounds like I'm just saying all these nice things about the actors I've worked with, but it's, it's true. I mean, I've worked with a lot of jerks too, but the people that Andrea picks, the people who worked on Batman, Batman beyond justice league, Batman, the animated series, Andrea really picks good, not just good actors, nice actors, people who you want to work with because there are a lot of jerks. Yeah. In Hollywood, just as there are a lot of jerks in the world. Um, the interesting thing is, though, that jerks tend to, uh, word tends to get out <laughs> eventually. <laughs> and and people choose not to work with them yep. because they're just so unpleasant. Andrea really avoids those people. So she picks great people. Will Friedel is such a terrific guy. I had a great time. I think he's writing now, too. Really? Wow. I think he's writing shows. And uh, we had a great time working together.
1: Well, if they ever get tired of making live-action Batman movies, I would love, love to see a Batman Beyond live-action movie. Wouldn't that be great? It would.
0: Actually, a lot of fans have, have brought that up. That, that, that would be an interesting thing to, to see. A
1: new take. You know, I'm tired of seeing the origin over and over again in the movies. So yeah, It would be nice to see a different origin. I right? agree with you. All right. So I don't want to take too much more of your time. So let's do a couple speed questions, if you don't mind. So you can give shorter answers if you want to. Okay. Um, what was your favorite live action Batman movie?
0: Um, uh, I, to be honest, I haven't seen Batman Superman yet. Okay. Um, I'm embarrassed to admit. <laughs> um, of the movies in terms of concept, my favorite was um, the Chris Nolan, Christian Bale. Yes, I agree because with that. Just in terms of concept and artwork and the direction and the world they created, that's Batman to me. I agree. Um, I know there were vocal problems uh, with some choices that uh, Christian Bale made, and the audience has been pretty rough on him for that, and deservedly so. It did sound a little weird. Yeah, but other than that, I think that's the best Batman movie. I agree. Uh, but I don't think any of them. I don't think any of them come close to the animated.
1: No, movie. they don't. <laughs>
0: It's an animated character. Exactly. It's a world that belongs to an animation. I, I admire them for trying to bring it to live action, but somehow the animated world just is where it belongs. Do you agree?
1: I do fully agree with that. Fully agree. What was your favorite cartoon growing up? Oh, wow. I haven't been asked that
0: before. I guess, what cartoon did I watch a lot of? I didn't. We we were very. My parents were pretty strict on TV. We didn't get a lot of TV time. Um, I guess Flintstones.
1: Yes. All Flintstones
0: right. were fun. Great show. It was a good show. I have some great Flintstone cells, by the way. Oh, nice! I have great cell collection. Oh, I would love I'd to see that. I started collecting them twenty years ago.
1: I started collecting maybe about five years ago. I have about forty of them now. Forty. Oh, yeah. Good for you. So.
0: I had a, I had an arrangement where, do you remember the WB stores? Yep. The Warner Brothers stores. They were, they were hugely successful and they had a gallery level in each store. The top floor was usually a gallery. And when they had, uh, they would have openings at the gallery to present new sales and they do sort of a cocktail party and they do it to promote the gallery and to make a lot of sales in that day, that night. And they asked me to go to some of the openings of these galleries to promote the show Batman, the animated series. And it's part of your actor deal that you do these promotional appearances and they don't have to compensate you for it. It's, it's part of your, it's part of the shtick, you know what I mean? So I was going and I, I realized they were making a lot of money on these appearances that I was making and signing these things. <laughs> and I said, how much money did this store make tonight? And they said, Oh, we made like $40,000. were making a lot of money at these parties. And I said, well, can I get a, an appearance fee for doing this? I said, no, 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 no. This is not part, this is part of your contract. You have to do these appearances. I said, well, come on. You're making so much money on these appearances. Can you give me anything? How about giving me a cell? It doesn't cost you anything. I said, oh, sure. We'll give you a cell. <laughs> I said, really? I said, how about two cells? <laughs> So I started getting two cells per appearance. Wow, good for you. So then I started doing lots of appearances <laughs> i got these cells.
1: Very, very nice. That, I'm very jealous of that. Yeah. Okay, last question. Do you have a guilty pleasure when it comes to anything like music, TV, movies, something that you're kind of ashamed to say but something you love? Mm, I am
0: um, kind of addicted to ice cream. <laughs> well, it doesn't show, that's for sure. I'm an ice cream nut. I know that's what all my friends say. They say, you eat so much ice cream and you're as skinny as a rail. <laughs> my, my oldest brother has always said, uh, he, he, he looked forward to the day that my mouth didn't slow down, but my metabolism <laughs> did. <laughs> <laughs> because I have a sweet tooth and I just don't gain weight. It's wow. weird. I never have. But I run and I work yes. out a lot. So I think I kind of work it off. But that's, uh, I, I have a bad sweet tooth. That's a pretty bad.
1: What's taste. your favorite flavor of ice cream? love coffee
0: um i avoid it because it's so rich so these days i've been doing just vanilla with with fresh fruit yeah there you go which is good
1: could i have you close the show as batman
0: yeah hey this has been kevin conroy the voice of batman and you've been listening to saturday morning rewind with tim Nidell. thanks tim it's been great talking to you Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check him out on Facebook and Twitter. That's all, folks.